Ford Guinea's Burger on the Freak podcast. I'm the Black from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. How have you been lately? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Excellent. Things have been going cruisy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've just been going around just swearing a lot because I know it pisses off Dean Ritchie. Oh, yeah, he doesn't like swearing, does he? Well, he, he likes it enough to count it. Yeah. Fucking Karen. Yeah, Dean Ritchie, who, who takes him seriously, really? Fucking Karens. <laughs> yeah, I reckon, I reckon. But, uh, yeah, it's counted, pretty... He counted Brandon Smith counted saying, saying fuck 61 times and cunt three times. You know what I was thinking? <laughs> and and I, I wanted to strike while the iron was hot on it is that we need to absolutely destroy the record. And I think that we've had episodes higher than that. Yeah. But at the same time, I started looking up the most swearing on a podcast, like for Guinness World Records. Yeah. And I was, uh, there isn't a record set. So maybe we could try and set a world record for swearing on podcasts. Not in this one, but one maybe towards the start of next season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I dare say then the uh, the benchmark has been set by Brandon Smith. Well, yeah, like you would you would look to take what his number is. What was it, sixty one or sixty four, something like that? I think he said sixty one. Yeah, 60, or sixty four all up. Okay, and, and then just extend it beyond what yeah. anyone could think would be an audible podcast. That'd be great. I I had this great idea. It'll never happen, but I thought, you know what a great idea would be is if the rugby league players community got together. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we're going to support Brandon Smith here because it was talk for him to get fined and all sorts of bullshit. Yeah. And they put out a video and you get 65 or 64 players. Okay. Yeah. And they all just say the word fuck. Mm-hmm. And three of them will say cunt. And you just put them on there and they can all just have one of them at a time. All just saying it all, you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And at the end, they just say, shove that up your ass, Richie. So I was that, thinking, that would be the video they put out there. I reckon that'd be fantastic. I would like them to do it to the song of like a Christmas carol. Like, <laughs> fuck, 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 Can't fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, I think that would be really cool. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, can you imagine somebody had to sit down and count it? Yeah, Richie did. <laughs> Just a bludger of a job. He's an absolute Karen. That yeah. takes See what though, I'll, I'll give him one thing. That's the first time he's done research in about 19 years. <laughs> well, normally, normally he just reads forums. We know That's that. That's right. Um, between, it's between that and him going around doing redemption stories of people who have done you know, criminal activities or taken drugs. He likes those ones. Yeah. I think he wrote about two or three articles about Craig Field. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. He's, he loves it when they've they've had a bit of a uh, bit of trouble. He likes that story, redemption stories, and then they actually don't redeem themselves. But you know, he likes that one. Well, it's like Craig, Danny Whitehead gone stupid. Craig Field worked worked out pretty well at the end of the day, didn't he? Yeah. Um, before we get too far into the podcast, we had two emails come in, Ooh. and one of the one of the interns made a mistake uh, and deleted one of them. Okay, so we've got an email here from Andy Marzalay, our reigning and now defending uh, tipping competition champion. 
Yes. And so we've got an email from him, but the other one went missing. So if you've sent an email in the last two weeks to the podcast, you might have to send it again. It was a pretty big email. I didn't read through it because I knew I like to read them when we go to air. I don't like to be prepared or anything for them so that you get a real reaction out of us. Um, But, yeah, so there's an email that went missing. So if you sent one and you're wondering what happened to it, resend it, okay, because we we, we lost it, bloody interns. We didn't. Well, the interns did. We didn't learn it. Yeah. Um, can I just say too that you you can send it and be sure that it won't happen again because that intern has been killed. I mean sacked. Yeah. Well, they, um, same thing. Terminated. That's the word. Let go. Yeah. It's like in Commando where he says, "I let him go." Do you know that? You probably haven't seen Commando. No, I haven't. Is it like yeah. Die Hard? It's all right. It's uh. Mm, no, it's nothing like Die Hard, really. Okay. So anyway, we should do this email from Andy, hey? We, we should. We really should. Okay. It's, it, the subject is World Cup, COVID, and Wallabies. What's COVID? Um, okay, here we go. Like you guys, I was sad to see the Rugby League World Cup postponed, but I agreed with the reasoning after the vast majority of players spent the second half of the season away from home. However, given all the bleating from the North, he means... He means England and how the Wallabies no. and how the Wallabies are touring, blah, 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 blah. And the worsening COVID crisis there now, plus this new variant, how good is that decision to postpone looking now with the increasing number of players and staff on the Wallabies tour coming down with COVID and the Barbarians game being cancelled? The Northerners are lucky the Australian Rugby League Commission are happy to wear the big boy, big boy pants and make the big calls. Imagine a similar situation in a World Cup. Um, teams would be decimated with even a handful of players going down. And how would you catch up on a missed on the missed games? Interested in your thoughts on the Northern complainers? He means England. Now the Wallabies tour has been hit by COVID. I agree with everything Andy says. Yeah, although I think it would be it would be apt that they had the World Cup there now mm. because just like the Super League season last year and their lower grade competitions this year, mm-hmm. England would just go, yeah, you know what, let's just ignore those games and and forget about them and move on. And so you Probably. just have you just have teams playing four games in the pool, and then other teams in that pool would only play one game, and you'd be going on this weird percentage thing they'd sort out. Um, it'd be hilarious. It'd be like going through the World Club Challenge of 97 all over again. Let's just make different rules for different teams to make sure the teams we want in the finals reach it. Yeah, we, you just get the feeling because we all know the International Rugby League is so poorly run, so utterly devastatingly <laughs> poorly run, um, and it's well, well known that they would have no backup plan for if games were postponed. And, yeah, you would get to a point where it'd be like, you know what? We worked out on percentages that a winless England team just happened to be in the final. And Australia has to play Tonga to advance to the final, even though they've both won all their games. Um, and, yeah, this look, this new COVID variant, so far it looks like it's less of a problem than the, the last couple have been, um, which is good news. But over in England, they've got 50,000 cases a day. Yeah, a yeah. day. That's they, unbelievable. They're going well. And over here, we, we, we shit ourselves when we hit the 1,000. 
Yeah, well, I think in Sydney, I think we're in the, like, I think maybe hundreds, couple of hundred a day or something like that. Yeah. So unbelievable that they they thought it was a good idea to have the World Cup and then, you know, got upset at Australia and New Zealand when, as Andy said, we had to put on the big boy pants down at this end of the world and say, no, we're not going to play these games. Yeah, it's, I don't know. For me, it seemed like it was a, a cut and dried thing. Mm, yeah. Um, I agree. The place, place have every right to do this thing out of safety. Yeah. You know, it, as we know, there was a uh, an English rugby league fan who liked to bring up um, historic issues in the past to try and justify their argument. Mind you, they did it stupidly. Mm-hmm. But um, if we want to go down that avenue again, I mean, we have players taking taking what they deemed to be a pretty severe risk back in September of 2001 to fly over to England to play in a rugby league tour. Mm-hmm. And... Um, for many of those who, do, who don't understand what was going on then, I mean, that was just after the – was it two weeks after the September 11 attacks? Oh, man, it, it must have been pretty close. It's got to have been within the month. Yeah, it was definitely in the month. Mm. I'm pretty sure because the first game was due to be played on the – like, you know, within the first week of October. So they were mm-hmm. definitely flying over in the tail end of September. Mm-hmm. So it was only – I'm pretty sure it was only two or three weeks after. Yeah. Um, we did that for English Rugby League. But remember when the uh, Great Britain team, they forged ahead through mine-laden seas back in, in the 40s? Do you remember that story, Andrew? I do, I do. Yeah, as I, as I uh, relayed to you, I think, in, in a private message, um, it was mines the British put there. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Tony, you dickhead. Um, so... While while we're talking about English bleating, there's been a story come out in the last week where uh, somebody asked the, I believe it was the chairman of the Penrith Panthers, if they'd be taking part in the World Club Challenge. And they said, look, when you look at the COVID situation and worldwide travel and quarantine rules and things like that, it's really impossible for the Panthers to go over and play. It's just not feasible. But if St. Helens want to come over and, and play the game, they're more than welcome to come over. They would schedule a game at Penrith Football Stadium, welcome St. Helens with open arms, and uh, they would set aside a date for the game if St. Helens wanted to. And St. Helens' reaction to that has been to piss and moan and cry and say that the, Pan- the Penrith Panthers are running away scared from them. So the team that's running away from playing a game are blaming a team for running away from playing a game. Yes, yes. Right, right. Yeah. See, I think the problem here is Penrith didn't offer enough. Well, well actually, no, no, hang on. I'll change that. I think they offered incorrectly. So instead of offering to play the game at, at Penrith, they should have started with, you know, we'll give you something else that, you know, you do like over there in St. Helens. You know, that's how you get you that's how you gotta get them to the table. Then you offer you know stuff to do with the game. You gotta you've gotta invite them over first with something that they'll be interested in. You know, you put the carrot in front of the horse before you get the footy game going. You gotta entice them, man. And what would you say they like in St. Helens, Andrew? Well, I'm gonna I was gonna throw it back at you because I've actually not been to St. Helens. I've but never been maybe, to St. Helens. Yeah. Maybe you could say that um I don't know. 
Maybe you can say, you know what? We're pretty certain that St. Helens and Wigan are the same. So if you want to prove us wrong, come on over and let us know. Otherwise, if St. Helens don't want to come over, then we'll just get Wigan to come over. That basically is good as St. Helens anyway, if not better. You, well, that's the, how you do it, man. You make them yeah. earn it, prove it. Well, here's the thing. Like, remember Wigan come over to play Brisbane in the mid-90s? That was a pretty impressive side, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, but they made the effort. They come yeah. over. They played the game. And then even a few years ago, Leeds come over and they played the Melbourne Storm at Amy Park down there in Melbourne. Yep. And I guess there are certain teams that have that ambition and they 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 have no excuses. They're like, we want to play the best team in the world and we're going to do it and we'll play them anywhere. St. Helens just isn't one of those clubs. And that's okay. Like, I've got no problems with that. If St. Helens can't afford to leave St. Helens because they haven't got the finances because they're not quite a Leeds or a Wigan, that's all right. That's fine. That, but I just don't need to hear the whinging that comes after that from them because I don't care about it. Nobody cares about it. Yes. It's interesting, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it was Wigan, I'd know Wigan would be here. Yeah. Right? If it was Leeds, Leeds would be here. But it's St. Helens, and that's all right. They can be St. Helens. But just shut up about it. Be St. Helens quietly. That's okay. <laughs> this is exactly right. Yeah. Just, just be shush, okay? If you don't yeah. want to do it, it's fine. You and don't you have to. Th- you don't have to come over and prove that you're inferior. We are. It's it's fine. We we're doing the them fear. a favour. Yeah. You know they they get to come over. They get <laughs> to see what it's like to play against a team that plays in a fully professional competition. That that's you know a juggernaut of a club, the best team in the world from top to bottom. And they don't feel like that that's their place. And I totally respect their decision to stay in St. Helens. Um, there was some of their fans were saying, oh, well, think of all the money Penrith uh, turning down. To, it's like we can play Parramatta and fill a stadium. We can play the Titans and fill a stadium. Like if you tell a bunch of people, hey, do you want to go and see some team, little like club side from Northern England play Penrith Footy Stadium? Nobody knows who St. Helens is. It's not like they're Wigan. If you said, hey, Wigan's playing at Penrith Footy Stadium, people would say, oh, I know who Wigan is, but it's St. Helens. And that's okay. It's cute. It, it's adorable. It is. It is. You it's, know, I was just thinking there's a way to entice them to come over and say, look, we know that there's actually, you've probably got a good chance of, uh, of a good result here because you're not playing the Roosters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know it's a lie. But it might be just something to entice them to come over. You're not going to be playing the Roosters this time. Yeah. Look, it's uh, I respect their decision to stay at home, and I understand they've got to, you know, talk themselves up in whatever, you know. I mean, I'm guessing they probably have a little pamphlet or something in St Helens that they, you know, shove in letterboxes because they want to keep everyone happy in St Helens because it's cool because they're St Helens. It's not like they're Wigan. Or Leeds. I, I, I just, I'm totally cool with their decision. Um, you know, I, I think that's where it should be left, really, because, you know, I guess all the clubs can't be Wigan and Leeds. That's right. I mean, you've got to have something to aspire to. I mean, they're, they're getting there. They, they'll they get there one day. 
Yeah, they're getting there. They're going Probably. in the right direction. Maybe. We'll give them that much. They're going in the right direction. Probably. Um, is there any chance that um, maybe the offer could be extended to the Catalan Dragons? Well, look, we know the Dragons would come over. Absolutely, right? they would. The French are notoriously known for their expansive uh, concepts for rugby league globally. Yeah. Yeah. They invented the Rugby League World Cup. That can't be forgotten. They would love to do it. Maybe St. Helens could offer for the Catalan Dragons to go across because, you know, an international team, team with ambition and stuff, they could take their place because St. Helens don't want to. If we were to hypothesise. Yeah. And I know that this is very unlikely, but let's hypothesise. Given that Catalans lost the Super League Grand Final to um, St. Helens, what if they were to come over here, play Penrith in the World Club Challenge, and beat Penrith? Yeah. Does that make Catalan better than St. Helens? Would they have to replay the grand final over there? Well, it, it would say to me that they can beat better opposition than St. Helens could, because St. Helens wouldn't get within, conservatively, 50 of Penrith. Would you then strip St. Helens of the grand final that they won? No. Say, well, let, you know what? Yeah. You know what? You're not you're not actually that good. You just had one of those occasions where, you know, nine times out of ten, Catalans would win. You just happen to play them on that one time when St. Helens would win. Look, I, I would let them keep it because you've got to remember that this is a club in St. Helens that, you know, the, the thing was that runners-up medals were like confetti in St. Helens. They had so many of them. I mean, just ask Fat Prince Harry. Like he's got 57 of them or something. They're not like Wigan where you go to the Rugby League Museum and Sean Edwards is just like pulling winner's medals out of every. So I have one of my 27 winner's medals that I got as a Wigan player. It's not like that. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. They're a burden on Sean Edwards. As well. He's had to build two extra rooms to his house just to put all that stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but that's that's all right. You know, it... it we, we can't all have clubs that are gigantic. Some of them have to be like hobby clubs. And St. Helens is a really good hobby club. Like, let's not mistake the fact that they're a really good club for what they are. But they're not a, a powerhouse. I think that's uh, that's a good point to, uh, to, to, to end that bit of discussion. Yeah. Now, on to other powerhouse clubs. What were your thoughts of uh, the news that the West Tigers had signed Appy Coruscant from 2023 onwards? You know, I'm a bit um, bit 50-50 on this one. Mm -hmm. On the upside, um, signing Coruscant means that we're probably no longer in the market for Josh Hodgson. So that's a good thing. (laughs) Yes. I mean, left. I'm beating around the bush here. That's a fucking fantastic thing. It really um, is. Thing is, though, I think Coruscant is a little bit below his best uh, mm-hmm. this year. And I'm not sure that he's going to get back to his absolute best in two years' time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be atrocious or bad or anything. I just think that he is he's, – he's had his peak – which was last year. 
And I think that where he is now is probably where he's going to stay for the next two or three years, which is probably going to be fine for what the Tigers need. Mm-hmm. Um, but where is he going to be? Is it a three-year deal? I, I didn't see. I didn't if, see. If it's a three-year deal, then you've you got to ask yourself, where is he going to be in four or five years' time? Is he yeah. going to be at that level that we need him to be at? And that's where I look. And essentially what we're going to be doing is it looks like the club has decided that little is not the long-term future. Mm-hmm. So he's either going to be on the bench or shipped off elsewhere, whatever it might be. And I think Jake Simpkin, I may have the wrong name. There's two two young blokes in there. One's a half and one's a, a hooker. I think it's Simpkin is the other hooker. I worry that maybe they're going to be putting him on the back burner for a little bit. And he seemed to be a pretty handy player as well. He didn't get much game time this year, but um, I'm wondering how much of an impact the Coruscant signing might have on the development of those two players and whether either of them are going to be released or kept or what goes on there. Um, I think the main reason why they've signed Coruscant, though, is he does have some decent ball-playing ability, Yeah, which will take a bit of pressure off Brooks. Yeah, I think that's the main reason why they signed him. And, like... Which is another, well, I'm going to say that's another problem, but I'll let you, let you have your bit first. Yeah, and look, he's he's going to be okay, you know, and, and you and me talked about Coruscant all year, I feel like. It was him and Kikau we yeah. talked about in regards to the Panthers. And, you know, the thing that worries me about Coruscant is he, he over the last 18 months, he has been getting knocked about a bit, and I think it's taken the edge off his dummy, dummy half running. And at Penrith, all we really need is a competent, hooker and he he did the job he was competent you know but it's not like he was world beating this year um and, and you know he he'll take a lot of experience to the tigers which will be a good thing and i guess maybe if they look at using him in shorter stints and bring in a youngster to take over the minutes that he is not out on the field maybe it could work like that but um you know at, at some point They've got to sign someone. Like they can't just leave the cupboard bare. You've got to have talent on your footy team. And he was there and available. And I guess cool. it's better than going into twenty twenty three and not knowing who the hooker's gonna be. You know, Reed Mahoney was there and available too. <laughs> yeah, but you know. I'd take I'd take I'd take Reed over Appy. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Although yeah. I do worry that Reed is He's a pretty small dude for a hooker. Yeah, he is. You know, I think I think it's workable. Yeah. You know, the the Tigers have made a few decent signings in the forwards, albeit not props, mm-hmm. but um, it's meant that some of the blokes they probably have hanging around lock and they're going to be put into the front row rotation because they've got some decent sized uh, back rowers coming to the team. Um, so they're going to have a, a good pack. What did you think oh. about the loss of Luciano Leilua? Oh, is he gone, has he? I didn't know about that one. Oh, okay, so Luciano Leilua has signed for, I believe, the Cowboys from 2023 onwards, and he's trying to get an immediate release. Um, well, that's disappointing, but I don't know. I, I'm not too fast. Okay. Um, he, he has been the Tigers' best back rower for the last two years comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, that uh, 
Stefano Utukamanu come along really good in the back half of last of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Tigers wanted to, they could probably play him a bit wider or put him a lock to try and um, do a bit of extra benefit out of him. It's only for this year anyway because we've got Papali coming next year. Yeah. And that will make up for the loss of Lulua anyway. Yeah. Would have been better to keep both of them. But I don't know. I suppose it probably comes down to he was probably asking for too much as well. I did hear some of the numbers he was asking for, which were a bit on the high side. Yeah, I agree. And look, the Cowboys had to had to pay it because they need the talent. They've they're really short of talent. Um, what have you thought over the last few weeks? There's been a lot of people complaining about the system we've got in place for player signings and player movement, and you come off contract, but you will basically you can re- negotiate your 2023 deal from November 1st this year. And people don't like the fact that you can play a whole season before knowing that you're leaving the club. Like, I personally don't care, but I, I see where a lot of people do care about it. What do you feel about that? I think this is an issue that gets beaten up every year by the media because they've got nothing else to talk about. Mm. I don't think this is that big of an issue at all. In fact, it's actually a complete non-issue. Do you think that it depends on the club? Like at Penrith, I think of Matt Burton, and it didn't really affect him or the Panthers at all. And it wasn't like you watched Matt Burton play and thought, ah, he's going to be a bulldog, you know, he's uncommitted or anything. If anything, it was a bit of a fun thing to talk about, like, oh, when's he going to do his backflip? But outside of that, it didn't really change anything. You know, he played well and won the won the title and he moves on to the Bulldogs. But if you're a club that's lower down the table, it's got to be different when you see a player that you kind of wanted yeah. to hold on to and you know he's leaving and you sort of think to mm. yourself, you could have, could have a youngster in his position and play him rather than this dude that isn't going to be here next year. The end. I think I think a lot of people make a big deal out of this, but at the end of the day, when you think about it, how is it any different to a player, you know, signing a contract for, you know, some other team for next year, and they've still got the rest of this season to play? So instead of it just being a year and a half in advance, they're doing it in six months' time. Like, yeah. how is it any different? It isn't any different. It's the same thing. It just means you've got to watch your watch this player have his last season, full season for your club yeah, before he goes right. to another club. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's professional sport and play, we've got more player movement in the game now than we've ever had. Why are people getting upset about player movement that's happening in an extra year away? I generally don't get it. Yeah, neither I do know. I. I don't get it either. I think it's something to look forward to. For If you've got a struggling club and you can say, look, next year might suck. But 2023, the Cowboys can look forward to getting Luciano Leilua. Like, that's something at least you can look forward to. And I also think that this whole offseason has shown how well the salary cap's working right now in that the top clubs have all lost talent to lower-ranked clubs in in a huge way. And so people that go on about salary cap, I mean, it it has worked brilliantly this offseason. It has. Um, The other thing, too, is, and I don't think people realise this, the only club that's at risk in these, you know, deals that are made two years in advance and so on and so forth, the only club at risk is the club that's made the signing because what if this player gets a career-ending injury? 
mm-hmm. or gets an injury at the tail end of his last few games of the club and he has to sit out six months of the next season, which is at another club. Yeah. You know, these are the sort of risks that you take by making these signings like this. So I don't think fans should get that bit out of shape over their players going to get signed by another club in 2023 or whatever it is. It's just your team is not making is not taking the risk here. And to be honest, your team is now freeing up cash, not just for the next season, it's for the season after that. So you can actually start planning more than one season ahead because mm-hmm. there's a big chunk of cash that's now available there. You can then upgrade a couple of juniors if you need to before they go on the market so that they don't get snapped up by other teams. You know, the, it's a swings and roundabouts thing. You can always make it work in your favour. And there's a reason why a lot of clubs allow that to happen is for that reason. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's fine. I've got no issue with it at all. I don't see why people have to make such a big song and dance about it. I don't think it's that big of a drama. Yeah, I, I don't get it either. I know when uh, when Penrith lost Kikau and then Coruscant, uh pretty close together for going towards 2023, my first thought was, man, that's even if you look at the, the upgraded contracts they'll have to give some of their current players and all of their really, really important players are locked away. Um, they're going to still have a little bit of money that they can sign somebody. And they've got a good situation in that they're going to have juniors come in, which takes pressure off your salary cap. But they can also go to a player if they've got a hole in their lineup and say, look, you can come here. We're going to be a semi-final team and probably one of the top four teams of the next couple of seasons. Come here for a little bit less and, and go to a winner. And so, you know, and, and you and me, we talked about, Happy Coruscant and kick out all year long and, and you know, what the Panthers will do with them. So when they let them go, I wasn't – it was just it was just business, you know. I, I didn't really feel either way about it. Yeah, look, I think the main thing you're going to be looking at in these sort of decisions is that your team has got the, the players to, to cover that loss. Mm. That's pretty much it. I think it's all that matters. Yeah, it's only annoying if you've if you've let like two or three players go and you haven't got anyone to back up for them. Well, that's bad management. That's when you get worried about it. Yeah, if that I mean, if we didn't have uh, Lawai or Cleary and Burton left, we'd be blowing up Deluxe at Penrith. Yeah, but you know, as it is, it's like ah, oh, we I'd love to have kept him, but what can you do? Yeah, you can't keep more, as I say. Exactly. Now there was an article I read today. And it was in the New Zealand media. I really should find it, actually, because I found it really interesting because it was talking about the new broadcasting deal that the NRL has done with Sky Sports in New Zealand that will see them expand their coverage next year. Finally. Finally. And they will also have games on free to air TV. It was by Trevor McEwen. That's a Kiwi name, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It was in the it was at businessdesk.co.nz, which I've never heard of before. But he was basically talking about the way that rugby league is looking to take on rugby union because that's a an easy way to frame the whole thing. Um, and he was talking about the new the new broadcasting deal. They negotiated with Sky News so that there will be a very big increase in what Sky News uh, Sky News Sky Sports in uh, New Zealand is paying. DNRL for the rights. Some games will be on free to air TV. They will be select games. 
But the most important thing that come up in this was very matter of factly, he was talking about the NRL it is going to expand into New Zealand in 2024. Oh, yeah. So he's, okay. he's, the, he's said the NRL's five-point Kiwi war plan, because obviously they, they he framed it, this writer framed it in rugby league versus rugby union terms, but it was more just, you know, information about the uh, NRL's broadcasting deal. So the five-point plan was capitalise on free-to-air TV coverage in New Zealand of select showpiece games to grow awareness and interest, create new competitions and player pathways in New Zealand in concert with multi-million dollar marketing program, which is almost like the NRL sort of stepping in and, and taking up some of the role of the New Zealand Rugby League. Uh, support the New Zealand Rugby League in turning the Kiwis and Tonga into consistently formidable test opposition, bring more big matches across the Tasman, including a magic round, and then establishing a Kiwi franchise in 2024 in either Wellington or Christchurch, which jumped right out at me. Ooh, I wouldn't go to Christchurch, but Wellington, absolutely. Why wouldn't you go to Christchurch? Um, I just think the, the North Island is so much more passionate about rugby league, and um, I think it's probably more populated. The South Island seems to be genuine rugby union heartland i think it'd be too hard. i mean they've tried playing rugby league games in the south there for a long long time they've struggled to get the same quality of players coming through you will get the the occasional top line player end up being a test player but the number of test players coming from the south island compared to those of just auckland alone mm-hmm. it's miles apart um i think there's Lots of rugby union being played in the, in the South Island. I'd be happy to let them just stay as a union island and try and have league take over the North Island. If they can dominate one island, the South Island might be easy to take later on. But I'd focus on the North because that's where rugby league heartland is over there. And I think Wellington would be a great place to go. The only thing I don't like about Wellington is the stadium. I think the Cape Tin is yeah, terrible. You can You can always upgrade these things. You can always build a new one. Mm-hmm. That's true. I haven't looked into what other stadiums there are in Wellington. Um, and look, the locals love the cake tin, but I just think that if you're going to put down a rugby league franchise anywhere, the very first thing you've got to do is have a stadium that is good to watch football at. Because otherwise you're trying to drag people to a stadium to watch a brand new team that's going to struggle at first and it's not a good football viewing experience. Whereas I think that you look at, say, um, the Gold Coast Titans situation where they got a, a brand new made for rugby league stadium built for them. And I think that that saved them to a certain degree when they've had some tough times for themselves. Um, and th- that would be the first thing I would look at if I was looking at expansion. It would be the facilities and then the corporate base. Um, and I know that Christchurch has some issues with like the, the stadium that they would have. I believe that the rugby union team there plays at old rugby league park. I think it was called. Yeah. Uh, um, and so that would be set up pretty well, but I, I don't think that that's a good ground from memory. So, 
Um, but once again, and it's similar to the to the Brisbane thing, it's a team for New Zealand. They're better off knowing where the team should be than someone in Western Sydney. Well, I suppose that's true. But then again, I mean, we've, we've already decided where the team should be in England, so why can't we decide where they go in New Zealand as well? Very true. Very true. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I feel like it, if it was going to be anywhere, it would probably be in Wellington as well. I just yeah. I wish they had a, a made-for-rugby-league stadium for it. Uh, yeah, as I said, these things can happen. Do you think that the Warriors changed their name to Auckland? I'm not sure that they need to, to be honest. I think people just associate them with Auckland anyway. I think they do too. Do you reckon that a Wellington team would be called Wellington or do you think they'd call them something different? Oh, I I reckon they'd have to go with Wellington initially. Yeah. Just to get that that, uh, brand recognition up and then they could change whatever they wanted afterwards. I don't know what they'd call themselves though. Orcas? Ooh. I don't know. I reckon Orcas is pretty good. Maybe Gumboots. Why Gumboots? Yeah, I don't know. Sounds good. Why not just Gumboots? Just, just Gumboots, dude. Yeah, I just, I just think, wouldn't it be great if people, everyone just turns up to the game wearing Gumboots and the whole thing is just, they're going to be kicking people's ass in with Gumboots. It's kind of like the uh, Green Bay Packers with the Cheeseheads thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the game day experience, you know. You're going to make sure you get people interested somehow. And they're going to have... have um, Team-specific gum boots. It's like uh, South fans when they turn up to games with big gaps in their smile. Yeah, well, that's, well I was going to say that they turn up to their bathroom with no toothbrushes. Yeah. yeah. Zing. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that was interesting news reading that. And also the pathway changes and stuff that they're going to do over in New Zealand. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and anyway, the article, basically the outline of the article is that the NRL is in a pretty rude position financially coming out of COVID, whereas Rugby Union in New Zealand is not in a really good place at the moment financially. Um, and they're feeling more and more disconnected from Rugby Union's overall um, structure, administrative structure at the highest level and and so there was a chance there that the NRL could you know get on the front foot in New Zealand. So I thought that that was really interesting though because that's news that really hasn't come out over here that we're going to end up with another team. Do you reckon we've got the players for it? Uh I think you can you can get the players for it in New Zealand absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um I tell you what, I did see an article today, an opinion piece on a rugby union website, mm-hmm. where they suggested that rugby union needs to change to they need to put in some drastic new rule changes. And they one they floated was um, we should probably look at to see how it would be how it would work if we had thirteen aside. That would probably work well, hey. Yeah. Um. It's interesting that they mention that because then you look at the article, they don't mention rugby league at all. <laughs> but they talk about 13 aside. It's like, wow, the self-censorship within rugby union is insane when it comes to league. It's like when they when we had the video ref in rugby league for a long time and then they brought in their own one and it, they called it the television match official. It's like, <laughs> we can call it anything but video referee. Yeah. You think, oh, my God. It's kind of pathetic, really, isn't it? It is. Look... <laughs> 
there's a lot of things that rugby union could do to help improve the way it's um, you know perceived on TV and stuff like that to try and draw more people in. Mm-hmm. I think though they would. And I'm talking seriously here. They would alienate so many of their supporters if mm-hmm. they went to 13 aside because that would that would come across entirely as okay. You know what? We're now accepting that rugby league is better, and I think their supporter base would would just fucking hate them for it and they'd never go back. They'll all go and watch. They'll all go and watch lacrosse after that. <laughs> lacrosse. <laughs> go to polo, drink cheese yeah. and wine there. Um, that I I've always felt like there's been a couple of different schools of thought about how rugby union is. So if you go over to Europe, they see it more as a kicking game. Whereas in in this part of the world, it's they try and promote it as more of a running game. It doesn't really work, but um, it's just different philosophies about what the game should be. And I think the power base in rugby union is definitely in the Northern Hemisphere. Yep. And that that's something we've got to make sure doesn't happen in rugby league. Like the pe- most powerful area for rugby league is Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific. And all of the nations in that area of the world are very, very important. Now, France is a little bit different because France has always been a running rugby league sort of outward looking nation in rugby league. But I just think it's important that we have the power base in the right area, in the relevant area for rugby league and not lose it to an administration that's up its own ass and really trying to keep things um, lined up for nations where the game is just not going very well or in some cases fading away and dying. No, I agree with that. He's talking about England. (laughs) That's going to be the name of this episode. He's talking um, about England. Yeah. Um, I would ideally like to see someone from France in a major position on the International Rugby League board. Yeah, I agree. They've got the right attitude about International Rugby League and how it should work. I think the only reason we don't have that is because uh, the people involved in the game in France are very much working their asses off at club level. And they kind of don't have the scope to look on even a national basis for French rugby league. And, and so they don't have the the basis to really look at the international game just yet, but they'll get there. I think though the, the success for French rugby league is going to come at the international level first, as it has done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um happened twice, you know, in the 30s when they first set it up and then again in the 50s after the war when they undeleted themselves. Mm. Um, so I think they need to get their international side strong because that then makes them competitive nationally within France with rugby union. And from that, it, it sort of flows backwards into the club football. Yeah. Um, and I think the easiest way for them to manage to do all of that is if they've got someone quite prominent in a key position running the actual game. Yeah. And they've never, they've never had someone in that role as far as I'm aware. It's always been um, England, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And that needs to change. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. That, that definitely needs to change. Um, I, I, I think that we need 
all of the Pacific Islands to have the exact same say as a nation like New Zealand and Australia or Australia. You know, they, they need to have this same voice, the same casting votes. And I don't think that that currently happens. I think there's a lot of the international game. You know, I think a lot of nations just hear what the plan is after it's been announced, quite honestly. Yeah, it's... I will say this, the, the IRL has been getting better at how they manage things and how they they structure um, international calendars and stuff like that. They're actually putting the effort in now. Instead, too often in the past, it was always clubs just decide, or sorry, clubs, team, na- nations decide who they want to play against and they just ring around and, you know, you want to play against us next week? Yeah, all right, no worries. And, oh, no, I can't make it next week. And then and it's a bit roughshod. Um but it's definitely much more organised and professional looking now moving into the future. Yeah. No more games where there's teams with 17 people on the bench or they play, you know, 30-minute halves or, you know, weird rules and stuff like that. There's none of that. We're all now playing the same 17 aside. We're all playing the same scoring system. Um, for the most part, it's 40 minutes every half unless the international body agrees to something lesser for whatever reason and they make it official, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's it's much – it's getting better at a at a good pace. Um, but I do think that one thing they need to work on, instead of putting all their eggs on a Rugby League World Cup as being the main goal every four years, and I know you've talked about wanting uh, a World Cup every two years. Three, I think three years. So three is. I think yep. the workaround is to have a Southern Hemisphere and a Northern Hemisphere mini World Cup type thing every, you know, two years after every World Cup. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'd have. I'd have the World Cup because because it allows you to have basically everyone have an opportunity to play everyone else, mm. which I think is what we miss out on in rugby league. Yeah. Um. And And then... The following year after the World Cup, I would have an expanded World Club Challenge where it would be the top side from Australia, the top side from New Zealand, which would be the Warriors at the moment, top side from PNG, which would be the Hunters, and there'd be about – I'd start it off with eight sides so that it's a small enough tournament and it's a pure knockout tournament, World Club Challenge. You know, it's only going to go for a few weeks and it also gives – elite players a little bit of a break um, after the World Cup because the World Cup's full-on tournament. You know, it goes for a while. Yep. And then the following year after that would be regional competitions, as you say. So it'd be Pacific nations playing one another, European nations playing one another. You'd have the teams in the Americas playing one another. And then we'd go into another World Cup. I think that would be the perfect calendar for rugby league, personally. Absolutely. And you're... Um... Your emerging nations can play their own competition if they want. We need to have an, an emerging nations World Cup, mm-hmm. um, preferably played at the same time as the World Cup. So you're getting all those eyes on that are watching the World Cup on these emerging nations as well. That's going mm-hmm. to be only to the benefit of the emerging teams. And we desperately need a ninth World Series, mm. even if we only play four, four. Um, rounds any year. We need some sort of nines competition that is played and 
you know, have a have a round in France, have a round in New Zealand, have a round in America, and, and the other one that doesn't matter where you play it, you know, it, it just get it running because we've got this really easy to manage quick uh, game that we've got in rugby league that is actually really good to watch. It's not just a try fest. It's not just a, a silly sort of thing that you see with sevens footy. It's better than that. It's got more structure and we do nothing with it. And that's silly. Yeah. I think that's a, a brilliant promotional tool that needs to be used as a promotional tool too. Yeah. Obviously you're making them official games and stuff like that, but yeah. Um, having, having rounds being played where every team's available and playing them in different countries over the course of a year. That's a brilliant idea. But you, as I said, it'd be great for French Rugby League to get that base strong again. Um, be great for Australia, for American Rugby League. You could even, you know, because you could be playing one on one venue, you could play one round in Fiji or round in Tonga, round in PNG. Mm-hmm. You don't need a ton of grounds, you just need one very good ground, and that's it. And they've got yeah. those. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Hopefully somebody takes that idea to the International Rugby League and takes credit for it from me. Um, So if we were going to uh, support Rugby League Project, Andrew, which is the number one source of Rugby League statistics worldwide, what is the best way to do that? You jump onto your computer device. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty sure everyone's got one now. Well, you've got half of one. <laughs> I've got half of one. Mine, mine chugs along and then just goes, nah, fuck you, I'm going to bed. And it gives up the ghost. Yeah. It goes really well until you start using it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything more than the screensaver and it gives it up. Oh, I can't run a screensaver. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that goes, oh, geez, that's too much. Um, no, I just need a new power thing on there. Which yeah. means I should go and take it to someone, and I just, eh, it's when I'm working, I can't be fucked. So it's, it'll just stay here, yeah. not getting fixed forever. But there you go. Um, yeah, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash rlproject, and you can make a donation there from as little as a dollar a month. That yeah. would be sweet. And while you're at it, mm-hmm. freaky, where should they go if they want to support one of the longest-running independent rugby league content creators the world has ever seen? Oh, well, you would go to patreon.com forward slash league freak. And there are many different tiers you can jump in at. You can start in with $1. You can go to the high tiers. You can earn yourself some merch. It's pretty cool merch too. Um, I wish I had some of the merch, hey. But I don't I don't support myself on Patreon. Is that weird? No, I don't do that either. I find, I find doing that would be kind of like retweeting your own tweet. Dude, I'm right here. Why would you say that about me? Uh, I, I thought I'd better make it clear, man. It's not cool. It's not cool, man. <laughs> I love retweeting my own shit, especially when it's something that's upset so many people. Mate, you, you pay people to do that shit. Get the interns to do it, eh? That's exactly right. Uh, that's what we got them for. Um, <laughs> so have you got anything else happening over the off-season? Like, what, what's the deal in the Ferguson uh, realm? Um the second annual rugby league project annual. Um, I had a deadline on there for three days ago. That's going well. <laughs> so that will be coming out in the next yeah, month. Sometime in May. No, <laughs> May. 
Um, no, in in between computer restarts, I'm managing to get some of the work done on the website so I can move it. So I know you're probably wondering how the hell we're recording this. I'm actually using a laptop. I should probably just use that instead. Sounds all right, actually. Do yeah. you have the Do you have the microphone plugged into the laptop? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds Sounds pretty good. It's worth noting that my PC has restarted three times while me not using it whatsoever while I've been recording this podcast. That's rotten. That's absolutely rotten. Um, yeah, it's it. Well, when the rugby league annual is ready to um, make its Drop. appearance, we'll yep. we'll do our whole episode about it and, yeah. and take us through it, and and that's going to be good. It's been a super quiet off season, which has been kind of cool, but. Uh, you know, it, it means that we have time to do any subject we want to do, and we're too busy. <laughs> That's right. Well, this is the other thing, too, that we haven't done yet, yeah. which must be coming up soon, is the uh, the King of Rugby League Awards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we keep on putting that off week for week. Maybe we can do yeah. that uh, in a week's time. How about that? Sunday? Yeah, I'm up for doing it Sunday. Is there a Grand Prix on on Sunday? Probably. I haven't watched the last two anyway, so I could have done these things anyway. All I know is I missed the last Grand Prix, and uh, any time I saw any of the updates on Twitter, people were like, oh, this is amazing, this is amazing. I was like, fuck. Yeah, every time we tune in, it's like two people get overtaken on the first lap, and then it's just a procession for the next 69 laps. Yeah, what what was that last one we tried to watch, and it was just... The first two laps were pretty good, and then it was just garbage for 10 minutes. I can't remember. We'd end up just going, yeah, fuck this, let's go to bed. And sure enough, when we woke up the next morning, had a look at the final placings. They hadn't changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm happy to see Hamilton drew level with Verstappen, though. I was pretty oh. happy about that. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, it's, it's been a bit of a bludge, some of these, these races this year, but some of them have been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else is it? Oh, yeah. I've I've done some more writing for the ABC Cricket Guide. You can get that out at the moment. Oh yeah, I saw that. So that's yeah. out now. That's out now. Um, Excellent. What did you write in it? I wrote about the struggle that Australia is having with finding opening batsmen. Yes. Or top order batsmen. Yeah. And for years, since the late '80s through till you know only a few years ago. They had no issues whatsoever because there was always a plethora of great young batsmen around everywhere, and they'd stay in there and. You know, absolute anchors. There goes the computer again. Um, but uh, yeah, they're a little bit light on at the moment. So that's that's the main piece. And then I've done a few profiles on some of the um, main players this year as well. Are you uh, looking forward to the Ashes at all? Not yet. I don't know why. I just I've not got into the cricket yet. Yeah, neither have I. I've just been working too much. I've seen that the English team has talked a lot of shit. And they this, do that every year. Yeah, and it's like, what are they talking shit about? Like, just shut up. And then the Australian team, I mean, they've had so many weird things happening off the field and stuff. I just think it's a bunch of douchebags versus a bunch of jerks. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, All I've heard is Perth has been take, have, have lost one of the test matches because they don't want to let anyone in. Yeah, it's weird when you isolate yourself internationally how it kind of stops you from doing things, hey? So, no one's allowed in. Okay, we're not getting the test in. We want the test. You know, well, no one's allowed in. Yeah, but we want the... Oh, fuck, what do we do? <laughs> See, this is where I think that the Australian government 
should go to Western Australia and say, if you want to become your own country, you're more than welcome, right? We let Western Australia become its own country and we immediately invade it, right? Because there's nothing, they, they're not going to defend anything down to Perth. So we just take all of Western Australia, right? We push them all down into Perth. Then we just siege, you know, we just keep them under siege for a few years. They'll eventually crack. And then we divide the spoils between the rest of the other states. Is it weird I think about things like that? No. Good. No. Good. How would we deal with the Queensland problem? What's the Queensland problem? It's existence. Yeah, Queensland is like, you know, what are they going to do? I think we could do the same thing with New Zealand, huh? No, they're fine. Yeah, I know they're fine. There's nothing wrong with New Zealand apart from their PM. But you just blockade New Zealand, just wait it out. Haven't we been doing that already? Kind of. We've been doing it in a, in a real passive way. Yeah. People that don't know, there's in a, in both countries' constitutions, there's a clause that allows New Zealand to become a state of Australia. They really should invoke it. They really, really should. They'd be a far better nation if they were part of Australia. They'd be a better state of Australia than Queensland. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Imagine playing, imagine playing Origin against New Zealand. That'd be interesting, hey? I guess, I guess then... Australia and New Zealand being one nation would be, you know, you'd lose the Kiwis. You would, you would. Which would be, I mean, that's good news for Great Britain. That's one less team to lose to. Yeah, that's that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) Then they'd be the second best rugby league nation in the world. Oh, they still call themselves that anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) The only world rankings in the whole of sport where a team can lose like so many games in a row and somehow they're still a second best nation in the world. I don't get it. Never have got it. It's a great system, isn't it? It really is. It really especially, is. Especially when it only works like that for one team. Just one team. He's <laughs> talking about England. Not again. <laughs> uh, brilliant. All righty. Well, uh, it's been a good episode. It has. It has. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Hey? Yeah, we, we need to do this more often. We should. We should do this on a regular basis. Yeah, I reckon that might work. Hey, by the way, congratulations to Dead in Gold on 100 episodes, hey? Great podcast. I'm, I'm actually very, very happy that it came back. Yeah. Because um, it was one of only two podcasts that I didn't stop listening to. Yeah. Other than ours, obviously. But yeah. there was two others. And uh, when when they stopped recording... For, it might have been almost two years. I was like, oh, I, I quite like the banter over there. The only was, thing I don't like is their intro with the siren. All right. It's just I, like I, a punch in the face. Well, sometimes we need a punch in the face. Yeah, that's a good point. I, and I probably deserve a punch in the face more than others. Um, I, like, I like the fact that that siren is so in your face and aggressive and it's beating the absolute shit out of you. Yeah, and then you just get the the placid conversation. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. I remember like, when I remember when I had a uh, a MySpace page, and you used to be able to put music on it, and I put ACDC's TNT on it, and it used to scare the shit out of people that would go to the page 
because I wouldn't be fucking ready for it to just go bang. And they were like, I got a lot of complaints about that, so I left it. As you do, as you do. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, thanks to uh, is it James and oh, I keep forgetting the bloke's name. You anyway, know, James. James is the important one. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. You're gonna pit them against one another. Well, divide and conquer. <laughs> you're welcome over any time james i just like whenever they've got a question <laughs> i've started doing like these really aggressive answers that are all uh basically they've been anti-british <laughs> like just as if they read them out yeah and they have it's been great oh yeah they don't hold back they're good yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant so congratulations on that and also uh if you aren't listening to the starting block is are all missing out. We love the starting block. I know we don't mention them as much as we used to. We didn't want to over. We didn't want to overdo the uh, the love. Like the love is always there, but we didn't want to yeah. be. We didn't want to play it on too long. Yeah, exactly. And every other podcast can get stuffed. Sure. <laughs> are there other podcasts? I didn't know there was. I thought we, we were all of them. I've heard rumours. There's others. All right, rumours. Dean Richie's got a podcast, has he? Bet he's been on a podcast. Hey, he probably uh, they probably package up whatever stupid fucking radio show that guy goes on and say it's a podcast. I don't know why anyone would listen to a radio show as a podcast. Hey, you should actually ring up his radio show and just say I've got a really important thing to say, uh, Dean, about a, a really great point you made. He goes, "Oh, what's that?" And just say the word "fuck" sixty-one times. Fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if you go on YouTube and you can look up, um, you know, C-SPAN in the United States? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, you look up prank calls into that. <laughs> uh, fucking hell, they're so funny. They well, are anchor, so funny. could just sit there straight face. Like, they, they don't get over the top about it. They just go with it. Yeah, and there's some of them where they'll ask, like, <laughs> they'll ask it the a question of a guest that's on and the guest is just, it goes straight over their head. They don't know what's happened. <laughs> it's great. I love that sort of thing. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, people, if you want to check us out, you can find us on the socials at uh, LinkedIn and YouTube. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and man, we're all over the place. I've done that all asked about, but who cares? <laughs> You've heard it that many times. You know what I'm going to say anyway, so I just sort of mix it up. Mm-hmm. Um, check us out on all of those. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Virgo Freak Pod, and we'll catch us later, I guess. Yeah, bye. Hooroo. <laughs>